Hello and welcome to the uh, podcast of, for the August issue of the European Respiratory Journal. My name is Michael Polkey. I'm a consultant in chest medicine at the Royal Brompton Hospital in London and I've been an associate editor of the ERJ for some years. Today's uh, podcast uh, is about the paper by Hernandez which looks at the reproducibility of six-minute walk distance in patients with COPD. Now, I'll come on to the details of the paper in a moment, but I thought first it might be worth considering why we're interested in six-minute walking distance at all. COPD is, after all, a lung disease, and uh, you might argue that it's better to check the progress or the severity of the patient's condition by measuring some aspect of lung function. The classic example, of course, would be FV1. The reason why we're interested in a six-minute walk is that it's an integrative measure which uh, captures both the pulmonary function and the non-pulmonary facets of the disease. And there's increasing recognition that uh, non-pulmonary aspects of COPD, for example, muscle strength, are very important uh, associates of poor quality of life and indeed even predictors of earlier death. So capturing those aspects uh, is important. Six-minute walking distance uh, is used in other pulmonary conditions, uh, for example, pulmonary hypertension or fibrosing lung disease, uh, in order to uh, obtain registration and labeling claims for new medicinal agents. And there's no fundamental reason why the same should not apply to COPD. Indeed, the most effective treatment in COPD, which is pulmonary rehabilitation, is well known to produce uh, improvements in six-minute walking distance, uh, which uh, are associated with other improvements, for example, the St. George's Respiratory Questionnaire score, but without improving uh, lung function. What, what is the six-minute walking distance? Well, the great uh, advantage of the six-minute walking distance is that it's a simple test which doesn't require any special equipment. What you need is a corridor uh, with at least 30 meters, ideally 50 meters, and the patient is asked to walk between the two points uh, at their own pace, but with standardized encouragement for a period of six minutes. Going back historically, people did try different time durations, either two minutes or even 12 minutes, but six meters, sorry, I should say six minutes, seemed to be the ideal uh, compromise between uh, convenience and uh, getting a meaningful result. Now, with any test, we need to know whether the change that you observe is worthwhile. So if I give you know, a magic potion or a novel treatment to a patient and they walk further on their six-minute walking uh, distance, is that a real change or is it just noise in the signal? And this is the uh, relevance of the paper by Hernandez. We also need to know whether the difference is worthwhile. So if I do some treatment to the patient but he can only walk half a meter further then that's probably not a clinically worthwhile treatment and for this reason uh, for any measurement we have what is called the minimal clinically important difference now a number of papers in the literature have reported the minimal clinically important difference for six minute uh, walking tests uh, the, the earliest papers chose quite high values uh, 50 uh, four meters is in the literature, and the more recent papers have shown the values coming down as low as um, 25 meters. Um, and this is where the present paper comes in. Now, what uh, Hernandez and colleagues in Maastricht did was to look back retrospectively at a large uh, data set from patients who were admitted to their rehabilitation center. And as part of the protocol, they had six-minute 
walking uh, tests done on day one and day two. And the question they asked uh, simply was, how did the value obtained on day two relate to the value obtained on day one? And the answer in the paper is that, of course, in general, the uh, values are closely related uh, compared to another patient. So, for example, if patient A walks a certain distance on day one, the distance that he or she walks on day two is going to be quite close to it. But what they also found is that, in general, the distance on day two is uh, more than on day one. So, in fact, in this paper, the average turned out to be 27 meters, uh, around 7%. Um, and the, in the accompanying editorial in the journal, uh, Professor Kreiner makes the observation that that number, in fact, is surprisingly uh, consistent with the data obtained from a more specialized cohort of patients entering the National Emphysema Treatment Trial. Now, what that means is that, of course, it's not surprising that any one patient should be close to themselves on day two, closer to themselves on day two than to another patient who may have a totally different result. But it also shows you that the learning effect from day one to day two is of a similar order of magnitude to the uh, distance that has been previously regarded as the minimal clinically important difference. So put very straightforwardly, the, the improvement that was seen on day one and day two after, if you like, a good night's sleep in Maastricht in other circumstances would be accepted as a minimal clinically important difference. And this has got uh, important implications for trial design uh, because if, if a trial design it does not include a practice walk, then you are uncertain to what extent the improvements are due to a learning effect. Now, of course, this can still be resolved in a number of ways. One way would be to introduce a placebo intervention if it's a drug-based intervention, but that's not always possible in rehabilitation-based uh, interventions. There are also some unanswered questions. So this is a learning effect that occurs on two consecutive days, but what we don't know is what the learning effect is, let's say, at six months or one year. So so where does this uh, leave, leave the field? One of the problems with uh, field walking tests is that there are several different uh, tests in the literature. The six-minute walking test is uh, well known. Certainly it's the test that has the most data. It's very popular in North America. In Europe, Historically, people have tended more to use uh, the shuttle walking test, either the incremental shuttle walking test or more recently the endurance shuttle walking test. Uh, there are also related uh, outcome measures such as daily physical activity and uh, other more sort of uh, practical tests which are used in gerontology. Uh, and if, if uh, walking tests are going to be used more widely for stratification, then we do need a great deal of data. A uh, six-minute walking test, it, again, is ahead in the field here. So we do know that a reduced six-minute walking distance of less than around 350 meters is associated with an increased risk of death and an increased risk of uh, hospitalization due to exacerbation of COPD. And going forward, we need to know probably more about how the different field tests relate to each other and how they change with intervention. Uh, we also need to know more about the learning effect and, for example, the question I raised earlier in the podcast about learning effect over greater distances of time can only be resolved by 
studies which uh, contain a placebo so that one can see to what extent the improvement is due to learning placebo rather than to some active therapeutic intervention. Uh, and we need to answer more simple questions also. So, for example, if you do the two six-minute walking tests on the same day, what's the learning effect with that? We need to know what's the learning effect of a third or indeed a fourth six-minute walking test, always bearing in mind that these are balanced by practical considerations in actually doing a trial. So there certainly is plenty of space in the literature, despite the publication of uh, Hernandez's paper, to do more work in this area. And as the uh, importance of extrapulmonary manifestations of COPD uh, is more thoroughly appreciated, we suspect that uh, this is going to become of increasing uh, interest to clinicians and to researchers. I'm going to wrap it up there. I'd like to thank you for your attention, both for this podcast and your interest in the journal. And uh, we hope to welcome you back to a future podcast at some time in the future. Many thanks.